at the lowest level, we talked about paralegals not being able to do this. At the very minimum, if a paralegal is marketing outside of a law firm, or even if they're not even working uh, at a law firm, some people, you know, what, what you'll find is a, a divorced paralegal working for XYZ law firm will take on the side divorce cases of their friends and family because they're familiar with the process. They're doing most of the work, right? They're, they're not going to trial, but they're doing the petition and the judgments. They're doing all that. They're just not doing the trial work. So do they know what they're doing? Mostly, but what's happening is that they don't know the nuance that the attorney gives them as far as how the process goes. And that's where it gets them into trouble. The other thing is many of these people doing divorce cases are paralegals in non-family law attorney firms. So they don't know the first thing about the process. Even the attorneys that don't practice family law don't know about family law practice and, and divorce. Because I we have clients who are divorce attorneys who said, hey, I've been an attorney for 20 years in civil litigation or bankruptcy, but this, this divorce stuff, I don't know how to do this and they'll become our client. So we know it's complicated and confusing. And then some people will get a paralegal certificate degree online or through school and whatnot. And maybe it's a valid certificate, but then they will just start offering these types of services and they don't know what they're doing. So at the very minimum, if you're advertising directly to a consumer under your own umbrella as a paralegal and you're not a legal document assistant, you are not allowed to do that. So you're already fraud. Okay. Now I'm going to get into some specific fraud practices that I have seen and all of these I've seen and known and reported to the court. And I'll tell you what the court's response was. So low fee offer and then in notes here. So file for divorce only. So here's a low fee offer tactic. Hey, XYZ company, how much do you charge to file for divorce? Hmm, I charge $500. Oh, that's great. That's a great price. That's cheaper than Tim over Divorce 661. So they hire them. They pay the $500 fee. And then they do their paperwork. And they say, oh, well, yeah, now there's a, a $435 court fee or whatever it is for your county. So now they're into it for you know almost 1000 bucks. So that's one way. Another way that this this low fee offer is is they so that in that particular case they were not talking they did not explain that there was a court fee until after they were paid and did the paperwork. Another low fee offer um, fraud is that they will say five hundred dollars to file for divorce and, and let's say that they include the court fee so five hundred dollars is my fee plus four thirty five court fee and they say okay great here's your nine hundred thirty five dollars. They do the petition and they file the divorce petition. And the trick to that is, and I don't know if you're catching the play on words, is they said $500 to file your divorce. What do you think the consumer thinks? They think, well, that means all of my divorce paperwork is going to be completed. And what they do is they say, oh, no, that wasn't to file your entire divorce. That was to file for divorce. So that's another trick for the low fee offer. One is not including the court fee in the uh, disclosure of their costs. And the second is only filing the divorce paper. So it's basically a loss leader. And we see that a lot in the online divorce community. So they're saying 500 bucks, $435 court fee. I'll file for divorce. You file for divorce. They say, oh, my divorce is done. They said, well, I filed for divorce. You still have to finish your divorce. You still need to do the judgment. There's a lot of other paperwork. And by the way, we charge extra for that. 
So, and this is this is one of my favorites. This next um, fraud is a business practice, a low fee offer, and what they do is they keep the court fee. So check this out, and this is the one I reported to the courts, and then I'll tell you what the courts did. So we had a client come to us. Well, let me tell you what they did. They, let me back up. I'll tell us a story. So we had a client come to us. They went to XYZ paralegal firm and they were not a legal document preparer and they filed for divorce. They thought their divorce was done. Three or four years went by. They realized their divorce was not complete. They had called us and I have to say, well, what, you know, do you have a, do you have your paperwork? Do you have a case number? Do you have anything? They don't have anything. And that's another thing to be concerned about is when you're not getting copies of your paperwork. It's so bizarre that people, even they have attorneys, they don't have any copies of their paperwork. We have a portal where all your paperwork, you have total access 24 seven to your documents that we filed and statuses and all that good stuff. So we did our, our research and uh, found, you know, searched by name, LA County found the, the party's name and this person was a doctor at a local hospital and, you know, had paid, um, you know, I think thousand bucks to someone. This is, gosh, seven years ago. So I'd only been doing this for three years at that point. But when I looked at the case summary, because you can see online and see the case summaries, when I looked online, there was a fee waiver filed. And I, so I asked her, I said, oh, did you, um, you filed a fee waiver. Are, are you not employed? She said, no, I'm a doctor. And I said, oh, I said, well, the, uh, the paralegal firm file the fee waiver on your behalf. So to cut to the chase, if you're not following along with what I'm saying, they they charged a low fee. So we're talking about low fee offer the court fee. They charge a low fee. So the, let's say they charge $600. So they're, they're going to undercut um, most other companies, especially if you're a, a registered legal document assistant, right? And then they say, and the court fee is $435. What they did is they pocketed the 435. So they got their, let's just call it 500. And then they got, they kept the 435 court fee and then they doctored up uh, some fake fee waiver documents. So they defrauded not only the customer, but they defrauded the court. So they're selling this low service by pumping up their, what they're earning by not giving the money that's been earmarked for court fees. They are keeping it themselves and then filing false fee waivers. So we try to get copies of the fee waivers. They're, they're confidential. I tried to get order copies from the court just so I could see what they're doing. But in order to do that, you either have to show low income and you have to provide um, pay stubs. It's not that easy to get a fee waiver these days. You have to show pay stubs. So they either had to, they had to first sign this person's name. So they forged their name. They would have had to uh, falsify pay stubs. Um, they would have had to show, you know, falsify like a, Medi-Cal card, which gives you instant approval. Um, so there's all kinds of fraud they had to commit to do this just to have a low fee, keep the court fee, and then file a fee waiver. So this client of ours was shocked. Um, I I wrote a, a letter to the supervising um, supervising clerk at uh, at the uh, Los Angeles Central Courthouse, and I provided evidence. I, I did a, uh, I wrote a declaration for the party just because she was concerned that, you know, what fraud did I, did I um, involve, am I involved in with this, which is none because it was done behind her back. 
But I wrote a, a letter, gave evidence, showed what they did. She wrote a declaration. She signed saying, I, I didn't have a fee waiver. This isn't me. I, she gave me the company name. I, I, I ratted them out big time. Guess what happened? Nothing. No response. Court's being defrauded. There's a known paralegal company out there defrauding clients and the court. No response. So uh, hopefully something like that changes. But that's, again, another reason we are doing this. So there's a lot of people out there doing these low fee offers either by keeping the court fee and, and falsifying fee waivers or saying, we'll file your divorce and then only filing the petition and then baiting them in saying, well, if you want us to finish it, it's more. They've already sucked you in. The next one, fake case numbers. And I think this, I have a video to show you. You see here, it says video. It's my my note to myself to show you the video after we show these, these business practices that I am well aware of have happening are happening and are seen happen on a regular basis. So fake case numbers. There's people that are going one step further. So I told you, we're kind of going down this list where well, at least they were filing the case in the, the, the previous fraud by falsifying the fee, the uh, fee waivers. At least they had a real case number. And in, in that case, by the way, th once that was done, they never called her back. She, they never returned their calls. And I don't know how people get away with that because if I miss, a, if I'm 15 minutes late, you know, if I told someone to call someone, and I don't call them back or they leave me a message you know, at 5.05 tonight and I don't call them first thing in the morning, they're on me. And maybe it's because we've set that level of expectation of excellence in our service. And maybe in these cases, they just weren't expecting any level of service at all. But people really need to, you know, start complaining or writing bad reviews or something because I said, what'd you do? Nothing. It's been, you know, I spent a bunch of money. They don't call me back. So I'm just moving on. And what I, I'll tell people, hey, you already paid them. Pay them in full, make them do what you, they said they should do. And they just they just don't return calls. That's crazy. So fake case numbers. These folks are going to the trouble, kind of like a Bernie Madoff, creating fake statements altogether, you know, showing increase in in your uh, in your 401k. They're just coming up with fake case numbers. And that's easy enough to do. Um, you can see online, um, you know, like for uh, family law in Los Angeles County, if you're in the industry, you're going to just figure out how the numbering works. And you'd be a fool to use their numbering because if you run the case number, it's going to come up with someone else. But, you know, like in LA County, it's uh, for Central, it's 23 STFL and it starts with five zeros and they they go on up. I think we're in the 600s now in Central. I think we're in the two or 300s in Chatsworth. So lots of divorce cases going out there, but they're issuing fake case numbers and maybe they're even finalizing the paperwork, but it's all completely under a false case number that doesn't even exist. So obviously there is no divorce. So going on with fake case numbers is also fake judgments and court stamps. You know, you can order these stamps, have a stamp made somewhere. Looks, you know, clerk of the court, there's 10 bucks. You can get a stamp made online. So we've seen Entirely fake uh, judgments, uh, divorce cases, all the paperwork, petition through judgment with uh, the judgments fake. There's a stamp, a seal, city of LA or whatever county, um, fake everything. And they'll say, oh, they went, how, did, how is this being discovered? They go to get married um, and register their marriage or you know, go somewhere that they have to verify and bring copies of their divorce and they'll look it up. And they're like, this is not, we don't show this uh, with the county. This isn't filed. And that's how we'll discover it. They'll come to me and say, hey, Tim, we filed this in LA County. I said, not, not in, it might be in LA County in another state because this is not, a, this is not a valid case number. And we'll find out that they never had a divorce case filed. And this has been going on for years and it's unfortunate. So those are like the, the most fraud, biggest fraudulent 
way you can be um, in your paralegal firm that you shouldn't be doing anyways, because you're not an LDA. But let's talk about people that are trying to do the job. So you're still not supposed to do it because you're not an LDA. And this might apply to some LDAs as well, because, you know, we're not all perfect. I wrote, never finalizing your judgment to never heard from again. So that's what happens in these cases is the they will file the petition. Everything will be going well, or so they think. They'll do the disclosures. They'll start working through the process. Um, they will finalize the paperwork, submit the judgment to the court. So everything's so far so good. And then the judgment will get rejected. And they once they realize that they didn't know what they were doing and the court rejects it, up to four pages of reject items. We've seen people come to us to fix it all. It was apparent that they never knew what they're doing. You see, here's here's the issue. When you file the petition, now this is whether you're, you know, one of the paralegals I'm talking about or even an LDA or anyone, just if you're a self-represented litigant, you're trying to do your own paperwork. When you file your petition or anything for that matter, up until you file the judgment, nothing is reviewed by the court. They're not looking at your petition to see if you marked the wrong boxes. They're not seeing, they're not checking if you... Uh, did any of the paperwork right until you submit the judgment? And that's when people get surprised. They're like, well, I filed for divorce. It's pretty easy. You know, summons, petition, case cover sheet, UCCJEA, filed it, served it, um, you know, did the disclosure forms. And then they submit the judgment and they're like, whoa, well, got, what's this reject? Everything was fine. No. You look at the reject sheet. The petition was filed incorrectly. It has to be amended and refiled and reserved, like start from scratch, literally. Um, disclosures done improperly. Proof of service is in, you know, incomplete. Uh, judge uh, defaults getting rejected and just it, you're basically starting from scratch. So I think people are shocked when, and, and I digress, half of our business comes to us for people that have tried to do their own divorce, fell into one of these scams and judgment was rejected for one reason or another and we fix it. So half of half our clients come to us as brand new clients, never started the paperwork at all. The other half come to us to fix the paperwork once they've tried to get to some degree through the divorce process. Some are all the way through the, let me back up. Some of them have filed the petition and then they got to the next phase and like, ah, you know what? This looks a lot tougher than it is. It is. The, the summons and petition are easy. I think most people can do that. There's still a ton of mistakes you can make and people do, but it, people will do that. They want to save some money. I get it. They think it's simple. Then they get the instruction sheet of what's next. And they're like, oh my God, there's a whole bunch. If they get through the second step, they're like, oh, they see the judgment and that's where people will call. So maybe they didn't submit their judgment and that's where the call is for help and we'll take over their case. No problem. We review all your paperwork uh, start to finish because we can't just do your judgment and not review the stuff beforehand because we know that the stuff beforehand you filed can cause a judgment to reject. Some people have turned in their judgment half a dozen times over a two-year period because it can take several months to get them back depending on what county you're in. So, and the, I've worked for the court. I don't know if I mentioned that at the outset uh, prior to doing this, just for experience. I worked for the family law court uh, and uh, it was San Fernando at the time, then Chatsworth and also Central, specifically in the uh, family law division, reviewing the judgments for the judge. So the judge doesn't look at these judgments. He's handling trials. He or she's handling trials. If you think the judge is reviewing your court paperwork, they're not. There's a judicial assistant. They say, right, judicial assistant. That's doing this. Usually, the the clerk uh, in the courtroom sitting next to the judge. They're always busy. You'll notice they either in trial or they're sitting down. Those those people hustle. So if you're a judicial assistant or court clerk, I know you guys hustle. 
they never get a break. Plus, then you got people like me calling them, asking questions all the time. And if you hear them whisper, if you ever call in and they're whispering, it's because they're in trial. <sighs> so almost lost track of what I'm talking about. So anyways, just there's a lot of fraud going on. The fake judgment stamps, the low fee offers. Um, but the, uh, the judgments, when you submit that, that's when you're going to know you did something wrong. And that's what's happening in these cases. They just, they get so flustered that that now their fraud has been discovered that they had no idea what they're doing and they just can't help but not call their client back because they don't want to do the work they can't fix it they didn't know what they're doing to begin with and i'm sure this is not a surprise unless this was their very first time filing a divorce for someone and it got rejected and they're you know and they just made went out of business but i don't think that's the case i think this is what they do they do the paperwork, they get the, they do the judgment so they can probably say, Hey, I did your paperwork. Yeah, I got rejected. That's not my problem, but they're just not calling the clients back. Okay. Taking contested trial type cases. So I told you in the beginning, I only handle amicable cooperative divorce cases where both parties are participating. I don't even like taking default without agreement cases, meaning there's no agreement, but the other party's not contesting anything because those can be as tricky as a trial case. It's just highly technical to get through the court. We do do them on certain occasions and only specific situations, only after I've reviewed their petition because your petition has to be filed a certain way in order for these true default cases to go through. But taking contested trial cases. So when we first started, I was telling you that we would we would take all comers. So we, you know, we would do motions, request, request for orders. They were called order to show causes back in the day. But basically, that's uh, if you you know, file for divorce and there's no agreement and you want to get in court and maybe you want some temporary orders for child support or custody or anything, you file what's called a request for order. You write down, you do a declaration and say, this is you know this is what I want. This is why I want it. You file it. You get a court date. Serve your spouse. They respond. They want, They write what they want. You go to court and the judge makes a decision. Now, that's just not a, for temporary orders. That's not for a full trial. So we would do some of those. We don't. We haven't done any in five years. It's just not worth our time. They take a lot of resources and energy because you have to look at family law codes and all this that pertain to their particular situation. But what I'm talking about in these cases is is paralegals taking on, and this can apply to um, LDAs as well. The LDAs will take on uh, trial cases, you know, because you can. You not re we're not representing you in court. You're going to represent yourself, but we can do the trial prep. But what happens is, and I know an LDA who got slapped a little bit by the Bar Association because they, they're very clear that we cannot give legal advice. And so in this particular case, this LDA I know, and we, we correspond frequently, she was uh, slapped basically, warned, heavily warned, because she did some trial prep work for someone they went to court. And this was based off of a letter she wrote for her client. Remember, we're not representing them. And basically cited, said, hey, this is due within a, you know, something was due within a certain period of time. And there was a family law rule that specified it. And she cited the rule. And the um, other party complained that she was practicing law, filed a complaint with the Bar Association. And they actually investigated and gave her a verbal written warning, you know, kind of like a probation thing. So when I heard that, I was like, you know what, I am not going to even attempt to be involved in that, you know, because you would be citing uh, family law codes and so forth. Say, hey, so and so wants this, and pursuant to family code section one two three four, you know, this is why the court should order it. So I don't want to even pretend 
to be a lawyer. I don't want to pretend to be one on TV. I don't. So we just, you know, backed out of that. It wasn't a big part of our business. It was a little bit of it. It just was very time consuming to write these lengthy declarations and get people ready for trial and serve those and all that. So taking contested trial cases goes one step beyond that. Those folks are doing um, interrogatories, uh, all the judgment prep, final declarations of disclosures, um, trial briefs. I mean, just it's, it's very in-depth. Um, and they're charging big money for it. There was a, a paralegal, not an LDA. Uh, someone called me to, to get some assistance with their divorce. It was a contested case, which we don't take. But I said, oh, how much were you, you know, who did you talk to? And they didn't remember the name. And I said, was it a law firm or a paralegal? They said paralegal. Of course, I said it was an LDA and they didn't know the difference. And I get it. But they were charging a $5,000 retainer to help them with their paperwork. And I was like, well, you know, maybe I, I should do that. But no, we 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 go on volume, uh, you know, happy clients. Uh, we go on volume. We handle a lot of cases, amicable, simple, cooperative. Anyway, so I think maybe fraud is, you know, that's a category. Trying to act as an attorney a little bit. And, and just you got to be careful because you can get in trouble in doing that. All right. What is, so I put remarrying while married. So what does all this do? We've had people and, you know, we have, a, again, half our clients come to us who have um, gone someplace else, been defrauded or they just didn't call them back or what happened, but, or thought their case was finalized. Maybe it was the low fee offers filed for divorce only. And they thought their divorce was done. I can't tell you how many people think even when they file their own divorce, they filed for divorce and they thought that was it. Back in the day, I'm so we're in 2023. So I say back in the day. So 10 years ago, the courts never got involved at all. Your your case could sit for 20 years and you'll never get a single notice from the court. So as far as you're concerned, if you say, oh, I filed for divorce, you sure did. You got a case number issued, but those people think they're done. And what that causes is people thinking they had their divorce. And we've had so many clients over the years who have been remarried new kids, new family, new everything, been married for 20 years, have grown kids with their second marriage, and then realize that their first marriage was never dissolved. So how, how does this come about? You can get married. Oh, let me back up. I did. I handled a divorce where she had been married three times and none of them had been dis dissolved. None, none of them went through a divorce and she was on her fourth marriage that she's trying to dissolve. And we found out she had three other marriages that did not dissolve. So how does that happen? How can someone get married if they're still married, not supposed to, right? Well, it's only verified through certain agencies. So if you go to, let's say, your church and you say, yeah, I'm divorced, they're going to want to copy your divorce decree. That's when people will call me crying saying, Tim, I just found out that, you know, I, my divorce wasn't done. I've been married 20 years. I have three adult children with this new husband. Does that make my divorce or my marriage void? No, it doesn't. Um, that's for another day. Uh, but people panic. I let them know you're fine. The problem is they have to tell their spouse, their current spouse, that, um, oh, by the way, I never was divorced. Um, and then the worst part is they have to try and find their other spouse because they have to still get that divorce done. So yeah, remarrying while married is a real thing. It happens all the time. Uh, maybe one client a month I'll get that uh, um, has been remarried and they're divorced. they find out later the divorce was never finalized. I was telling you, how does that get found out? by you know going to church and they want a copy of a divorce decree and then they try and dig it up and they realize oh my god it never was done in some of these cases here 
you know, it was never, it was just a petition filed. So it was never finalized, or maybe they had a fake case altogether. So there's never a case at all. Um, or they just thought their divorce was done. Um, but some people will go to uh, register their new marriage or to get a marriage license. And you need a copy of your divorce decree in order to do that. If you've obviously been married before and that's another time it'll come up. So again, at least once a, once a month, we'll have someone call crying that their divorce was never finalized and they found out 20 years into their new marriage. Um, again, doesn't make your, um, doesn't make your existing marriage void. It makes it voidable. Small nuance. What's that mean? When you tell your spouse, your current spouse, hey, I'm still married. I didn't know it wasn't my fault. They could say, oh, well, it's voidable. I'm going to file to void the marriage um, now that I know. That's never happened. I mean, if you're married, I don't think that, you know, little detail, everyone, it wasn't like you concealed it intentionally so you could get married. So, but everyone's concerned that there, it, it automatically makes their uh, marriage, existing marriage void. And it does not. So all we do is we just, you know, as long as you find your former spouse, we just finalize the divorce. If no case was ever filed or in some cases is dismissed, we will, um, you know, start a new case and just go through the normal channels. Still going to take the six months or whatnot, but it'll get done and and nothing to worry about there. So yeah, remarrying while married happens a lot. 